Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and you can find out more by visiting their website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens. He's a co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll be visiting with uh, Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Healthcare Studies at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about his recommended ideas for what Trump should try to accomplish in the area of healthcare in his next term, provided he has one. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. We'll talk about sunsetting laws, and that could be a good thing. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is uh, September the 17th, and on this day in 1862, Confederate and Union troops in the war, the Civil War, clashed near Maryland's Antietam Creek in the bloodiest single day in American military history. Can you believe that? The Battle of Antietam marked the culmination of the Confederate General Robert E. Lee's first invasion of the northern states, guiding his army of northern Virginia across the Potomac River. In early September of 1862, the great general daringly divided his men, sending half of them under the command of General Thomas Stonewall Jackson to capture Union garrison at Harper's Ferry. President Abraham Lincoln put Major General George B. McClellan in charge of the Union troops responsible for defending Washington, D.C., against Lee's invasion. Over the course of September the 15th and 16th, the Confederate Union armies gathered on opposite sides of Antietam Creek. Fighting began in the foggy dawn hours of September the 17th as savage and bloody combat continued for eight hours across the region. The Confederates were pushed back but not beaten, despite sustaining some 15,000 casualties. By the time the sun went down, both armies still held their ground, despite staggering combined casualties. Nearly 23,000 of the 100,000 soldiers engaged, including more than 3,600 dead. McClellan's center never moved forward, leaving a large number of Union troops that did not participate in the battle. On the morning of September the 18th, both sides gathered their wounded and buried their dead. That night, Lee turned his forces back to Virginia. Turning point in the Civil War. The bloodiest war, most staggering, most losses in the history, a military history of the United States. Well, the Florida Department of Health reported 18 new cases of COVID-19 and one additional death in Collier County on Wednesday. The death was an 84-year-old man whose uh, positive case was counted on September the 3rd. The seven-day average for cases declined to 29 through Tuesday, less than half of the seven-day average on September the 1st, which was 63. The state reported hospitalizations are now down more than 70% since its peak in July. Hospitalizations for COVID-19 are declining in southwest Florida and reflect a similar trend statewide, data shows. In Collier, the NCH Healthcare System on Monday reported 26 patients hospitalized for COVID-19, a dramatic drop from the 142 patients reported two months ago on July the 14th at its peak. To me, it looks like it's all going away, doesn't it? Uh, we could certainly hope so. Well, Attorney General William Barr said Wednesday evening, other than slavery, which was a different kind of restraint, coronavirus lockdowns were the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in American history. 
so grateful to hear him say that. He's a very measured and careful man with his words, and uh, he recognizes the intrusion on our liberties because of this. Barr's comments came during a Constitution Day celebration at Hillsdale College commemorating the date of 1789 when the Constitution was signed by the framers in Philadelphia. Throughout the coronavirus pandemic, Barr's expressed alarm at the restrictions imposed by state authorities on First Amendment rights, particularly the freedom of religion. In April, Barr's Department of Justice issued a memorandum to all U.S. attorneys to be on the lookout for state and local directives that could be a violation of the constitutional rights and civil liberties of individual citizens. So grateful he's watching after that because there is certainly a lot of intrusion uh, on our civil liberties as a result of this. Well, U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Director Robert Redfield told a Senate panel yesterday that face masks are better protecting against the coronavirus disease than a potential vaccine. I'm not kidding. He really said that, which is unbelievable. I think he'd rather see us all masked up. And uh, I don't know, you know, I don't wonder what the political, imp- I don't know whether he's a Democrat or Republican or what he's trying to accomplish here, but I've seen no proof, and I've read a lot about this stuff, I've never seen any proof that masks really do any prevent a coronavirus. More about that in a few minutes. Let's take a look at Hurricane Sally coming through uh, Alabama. There was a death of a man in Orange Beach. Hundreds of people have been rescued in Florida and Alabama, local authorities said. A section of the Pensacola Bay Bridge in Florida collapsed. More than two feet of rain fell in Pensacola. More than uh, 500,000 folks and businesses were left without power as a result of Sally coming through. And it's not done. It's moving very slowly, about three miles an hour, with tons of rain. And it's headed right towards Georgia and North Carolina. Boy, well, we saw all the rain that we had here, eight and a half inches in just a day. It uh, is very powerful, and you, you could see the flooding. You've seen pictures. It's really tragic of what happened. Well, capitalism must be abolished in order for Black Lives Matter to matter. Al- Alicia Garza, a co-founder of Black Lives Matter, said in a conference in 2015. In other words, black lives can't really matter until, abol- until capitalism is abolished. She really said that. Black Lives Matter has experienced a resurgence of support in 2020 following the May 25th death of George Floyd. Celebrities and large corporations have poured millions of dollars into Black Lives Matter, Global Network, Black Matter, uh, Live Matters National Arm, and other organizations that support defunding the police. It's not possible for a world to emerge where Black Lives Matter, if it's under capitalism, Garza said in 2015 at the Left Wing Convention Left Forum. And it's not possible to abolish capitalism without a struggle against national oppression and gender oppression, she said. The Movement for Black Lives Matter, a coalition of activist groups including Black Lives Matter, states its website, the black uh, people will never achieve liberation under the current global racial capitalist system. And can you believe this? We have all kinds of basketball teams, baseball teams, professional sports, Black Lives Matter planted in front of uh, the uh, White House in Washington, D.C. The Movement for Black Lives Matter also calls for abolishing both police and prisons across the country. Now, the Black Lives Matter Lab, a future a vut- a venture of Black Lives Matter f- uh, founder Al- Alicia Garza, 
is sponsored by is sponsored by the Chinese Progressive Association, an organization that works with China's communist government to push its agenda in the United States. So, in other words, Black Lives Matter is actually getting funding funded from the communist Chinese. Uh, Gonzalez, Mike Gonzalez, is the uh, did this investigation for the Heritage Foundation. He discovered that Black Lives uh, Black Futures Lab donation page explicitly states they are a fiscally responsible project of the Chinese Progressive Association, explaining where donations to Black Lives Futures Labs are funneled. So big funding coming in for the communist Chinese, as well as, of course, uh, George Soros. Now, if you haven't heard about this, uh, well, quite frankly, shouldn't Black Lives Matter be declared a terrorist organization its leaders tried for sedition or treason? I certainly think so, when you take a look at what's happening out on the streets. Of course, this is happening in communities where they are not enforcing the law. Billionaire Democrat donor George Soros bankrolled the successful campaigns of a new crop of district attorneys who now preside over big cities with skyrocketing crime and frayed relationships with police departments. Uh, the uh, Soros-backed DAs in Philadelphia, St. Louis, San Francisco, and other cities have fired scores of experienced prosecutors and, as promised, stopped prosecuting low-level, quality-of-life crimes such as disorderly conduct, vagrancy, and loitering. The laissez-faire criminal justice philosophy bucks the get-tough, broken-windows approach made famous by the New York Mayor Rudolph, uh, Rudy Giuliani, which targets minor offenses to cut off the criminal element in the bud. But put into practice, New York and other metropolitan cities see dramatic crime reductions through the 90s and, and 2000s. Those days are now long gone. Uh, Jeff Riorda, a general manager of the St. Louis Police Department, said, I would describe it as abysmal. And Kimberly Gardner, you've heard about her. She's the one that uh, uh, arrested the people who are defending their home. It's gone from bad to worse, and now there's no cooperation. So Soros is funding uh, these district attorneys and their races to, to get them elected so they won't enforce the law. Newt Gingrich was on the Harris Faulkner show yesterday. I don't know if you've seen this. I've seen the video of it. Interviewed by Harris, Marie Harf, who's the Democrat, uh, token Democrat in the group, and Melissa Francis. Newt mentioned the elected DA's support by George Soros was responsible for perpetuating the violence. All three of them, Harris, Harf, and, and Francis, froze. I don't think George Soros should be brought into this conversation. That's what they said. Newt said, okay, I guess it's verboten then to talk about George Soros and this. What is going on? It's just unbelievable that there would be a problem with talking about the funding coming from George Soros on Fox News, verboten to talk about it. What's going on? This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. The website is thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And I just encourage you to visit the website. Find out about the great new Performing Arts Center being built in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He is Director of Healthcare Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. He is a co-founder of a terrific organization making major contributions to the quality of education right here in Florida. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to do it, Bob. Always good to talk with you. You as well, Pastor Rick. And tell us for our listeners that may not be familiar with the Florida Citizens Alliance what it's all about. Florida Citizens Alliance is a grassroots organization. We have people that work with us and that we work with, try to support all across Florida to try to find solutions for education, K-12 through education in Florida. We recognize that you can always find a problem, but we want to find a solution. So we're always trying to find ways to make improvements and help our kids have the best education possible. We've worked on everything from Common Core to helping parents get connected to the scholarships that the state of Florida makes available for their kids. So... 
uh, it's been quite a ride, no doubt about it. Oh, well, well, these are interesting times in education for sure. Now, uh, in fact, there's parents are making decisions, what shall I do with education for my child? I guess about 40% of the kids that are enrolled in public schools are, are uh, actually going to brick-and-mortar schools. The rest are uh, still studying virtually. Uh, we, you, we have a very interesting, there's a HOPE scholarship available for parents. They should understand what's available when they consider their choices. They really should, and it's one of the things that parents don't know they need till they need it. Mm-hmm. And so we try to mention it frequently and, and help people realize that there are some things out there. You know, we often wonder what government does, and sometimes they seem to do good things, and other times we kind of wonder and roll our eyes, what do they think they're doing? Well, the Hope Scholarship is one of those things that, that the state of Florida got right and is continuing to get right. It's a scholarship that provides an opportunity for, to, for a student who is bullied, harassed, intimidated at school, at a school activity, school-sponsored activity, school-related activity on the school bus, at the bus stop, or from home. Since the school is sponsoring that activity, learning from home, it applies to that as well. So if the student is, is subject to any kind of harassment or intimidation, uh, we often use the rather general term bullying, but there are other more specific kinds of things, that student when their parent reports the incident, becomes eligible for a HOPE scholarship, which can be uh, upwards of $7,000, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, depending upon the exact circumstances. But it doesn't require the school to agree with them. Nobody has to approve it. It's just the parent recognizes my child was subject to this problem, and I'm unhappy with that. It gives the school the opportunity to fix the problem to the parent's satisfaction. But if the parents are not satisfied, they are automatically eligible for the scholarship and there are millions of dollars every year that go unclaimed in Florida because parents don't know about this option and don't exercise it for their kids. So we really want people to know that is a, a terrific opportunity. If your kid is in a bad situation, you can rescue them from that situation. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing is that uh, actually that money can be used not just for public schools, but actually for private schools or other op- uh, learning opportunities. Absolutely. They, can, they have the option. Under the HOPE Scholarship, if there's availability to transfer to a different public school, they can even go to a public school that's some distance from their house, perhaps in another district, and the state of Florida will help them with transportation costs. Or they can take that money and go to a private school, and the state of Florida will help them with that tuition cost. So it really is an opportunity for for parents to help their children find the educational environment that's best for them. Okay. And no child should be in a place they suffer. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the Hope Scholarship when they could find out more, probably in your website, right? Absolutely. It's available on our website, goflca.com. Or we have a new website that we're just getting started on, and we can talk about that a little bit just to let parents know about it. It's called libertyscholar.org. And so that one's designed to help parents, and they can go there and see some of those options as well. That's libertyscholar.org. Liberty Scholar. Of those places. LibertyScholar.org. I'm going to check it out. I haven't done that yet. So uh, I understand you have a couple of great events coming up for, or for our uh, listeners. We do. We have a great partner in Ocala, and he's been urging us to do an event up there. Most of our events have been in southwest Florida because that's where most of our team is. But we're trying to stretch some of these things to other parts of the state. And so on Saturday in Ocala, we're having an event called Protecting Our Children. And the idea is to focus on education topics. It's really kind of a one-day education summit on a lot of things. And, and the topics, when I, when I look at the topic list, and I, I'll go down through that list for you, I just kind of 
I'm in awe because why do we have to talk about this with our kids? This shouldn't be issues that we have to be concerned about, but we do. For example, we have to talk about protecting human life and pornographic content in schools and how to keep our kids safe in schools. We have to talk about religious freedom in schools and human trafficking and to keep kids protected from that. Uh, And we really want to help parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, everybody that cares about kids, understand what's going on so they can protect their children because children deserve our protection. We protect them from other kinds of things. We should protect them from all of these kind of things as well. It's, it's a, a, a simple concept, but it has far-reaching implications for our children. Yeah, no, We've got a great lo- a lot. Of, a lot of our listeners are thinking we don't want to drive up to Ocala. Is it, is it available on, <laughs> online? Yes, we're going to stream it, and that, that information will be available on our website as well. And uh, we've just made that decision, and, and uh, they can go there and, and click on that and watch the speakers. Uh, one of the speakers is going to be Jacob Oliva. He's the chancellor for Florida Public Schools, and we've worked with, with Jacob Oliva quite a lot and continue to. Uh, Senator Baxley, some people may recognize the name Senator Dennis Baxley. Baxley that's his um, area up there, and he's going to come and speak for us. Uh, just, a, just a great lineup. People can see the information on our website at goflca.com. And uh, I encourage them to join us and, and uh, be a part of that. And if they can help with some of the costs, make a small donation when they're there, that would be a great, too. They can make a big donation if they'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Every little bit helps. It certainly does. And I'll point out that uh, you and the other uh, leaders of Keith Law don't get a salary on this. In fact, I guess don't even get a lot of compensation for your travel, but nevertheless, uh, doing a great job. So um, there's also a debate coming up, and I'm not talking about a forum. I'm talking about a debate for the candidates uh, for U.S. Congress in District 19. That's right. Everybody's aware that we're going to be electing a new representative to the United States Congress during the elections in November. And we have a live in-person debate coming up next week. I want to make sure people are clear on the date. It was originally on Wednesday, the 23rd, but we've had to change it because of schedule conflicts to Thursday, the 24th. One day later, it'll be at 5 p.m. at St. Catherine Greek Orthodox Church in Naples. We want to invite everybody to come. Now, it is important because we're limited still on, on the size of the audience for people to sign up to get their place. It's, it's free. It doesn't cost anything, but, but people need a ticket, so to speak. And they can go to our website, that our parallel organization, flcaction.org, flcaction.org, and sign up to join us for that. And we really want to encourage people to be there live and in person. We're, Byron Donalds is the Republican candidate, and Cindy Bonnier is the Democrat candidate. They will be there, and they're going to have it out for that 5 to 7 o'clock debate. If people can't come and be present in, in person, we will live stream that as well, and they can watch our website at, at flcaction.org for information on that. But uh, it, we think that's going to be very insightful. Yeah, uh, There's not too many live things like this going on, but we're really pleased to be able to do this. Well, absolutely. i just point out that uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance is nonpartisan and is not supporting either candidate, but I think it's great that you give us an opportunity to take a look at something like this. And again, if you can't make it, I'm going to try to make it, but if you can't make it, then you can uh, stream it live and i would Absolutely. imagine it's going to be taped and you can actually see a, uh, a review it at your own leisure sometime sure. so yeah that'll be on the website after the after the event yes. uh, okay well i really pastor rick stevens again co-founder of the terrific organization the florida citizens alliance go flca.org is the website rick pastor rick thank you so much for joining us 
Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. My yes. pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Healthcare Studies at the Cato Institute. We'll do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And the website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Mayor Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. Michael is the Director of Healthcare Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. The Cato Institute is a think tank in Washington, D.C., and we uh, our mission is to provide a voice for the traditional American ideas of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Terrific organization. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Uh, so, uh, Michael, uh, talking about uh, recent news, the president signed an executive order for a most favored nation status when it comes to prescription drugs. Uh, any comments on that? Sure. So, this concerns the prices that the Medicare program will pay for certain prescription drugs. And the prices that Medicare pays are typically higher than the prices that governments pay uh, in other countries. 
and uh, there's a lot of concern that the prices we're paying are too high because the industry has too much influence over the Medicare program, and they use that influence to uh, increase their revenues at the expense of taxpayers and, uh, and without providing uh, enough benefit to seniors to justify all those added costs. So what the Trump administration has said is, we are going to try to save the taxpayers' money by reducing the amount that Medicare pays for these drugs. Mm-hmm. Now, the way that Medicare pays for drugs is, uh, it's not with, the way it comes up with the prices is not through some sort of market process where you have supply and demand determining the prices. That's not how government programs work. Medicare sets the prices. And so what Trump has proposed is a different way of setting the prices that, uh, would result in lower prices. And the way it would do that is by looking at what other countries pay for the same drugs and saying, you know what, if they pay less, then we're going to pay less as well. Yeah. So is this can, is there possible, is this going to perhaps trickle down to other people on other health care programs or insurance programs or just Medicare uh, beneficiaries? Well, it, if the prices that Medicare pays, pays to drug companies change, Mm-hmm. then the drug companies may change their pricing strategies with re- regard to other payers like uh, the Medicaid program or mm. private insurance companies or other countries' health care system. Mm-hmm. So one of, the, one of the objections to the higher prices that Medicare pays for these drugs is because Medicare pays so much, we end up bearing most of the cost of researching and developing these drugs, and other countries are able to charge or are able to pay lower prices Uh, the United States is bearing those R&D costs. One of the arguments for the Trump administration's proposal is if you reduce the amount that Medicare pays, then the drug companies will have to change their pricing strategies with other countries and require them to pay more of the research and development costs uh, of new drugs. Uh, So there's a strong equity argument for what the Trump administration um, uh, is doing, but there's also an argument against it, you know, uh, and the drug companies make this argument, uh, as well as uh, some, uh, I think, misguided uh, uh, conservative and free market groups. They they argue that, well, you, if you do this, then we'll get less innovation in drugs because yeah. the, the rewards won't be as great and we won't get as many cures. And there's a, there's a, there's a strong argument there, but there is such a thing as too much paying too much for drugs. There is such a thing as uh, too much re- research and development and too much innovation uh, into stuff that doesn't work or has only marginal benefit. And th- the question is, how are we going to arrive at the right price for drugs so that we get the right amount of all of these things and not too much? So let me take and a step back. There's, if no, I may- there's no reason. There's no reason to think that the Medicare program is going to, with its price controls price-setting schemes, is going to reach those right prices. So really what we want to do is we want to save, reduce government spending by cutting those prices and move everyone in Medicare to more of a market-based system where you do have market prices uh, that will do a better job of approximating that that, that trade-off that we want to make between too much innovation and too little. Yeah, so, uh, Michael, to me, it seems to me that we certainly appreciate the president working to reduce our uh, health care costs on one hand. On the other hand, it seems like a Band-Aid on something that was broken in the first place. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't we be better served if we had a more market or client-centric or patient-centric program uh, and had um, market 
the market, free market, driving the cost of these drugs as opposed to uh, Medicare setting prices. And you could have that. You could have a completely free market in medical care, uh, even with the government providing assistance to Medicare enrollees. The way to do that would be safety $679 billion that Medicare spends each year on health care for seniors. Take that money and divide it up among Medicare enrollees and just give it to them. That's about $10,000 or more per enrollee. And you could give the sicker enrollees more and you could give the lower income enrollees more. But give them the cash and then let them decide how to spend it. Right now, Medicare decides. Yeah. how you can spend the government's resources, give that to seniors, and they will change their behavior dramatically, and that will dramatically change the behavior of drug companies and other providers, So that, and they will start competing on price to get prices down instead of going to lobby Congress to keep prices high. Yep. Uh, and, and that will bring health care within the reach of people who cannot afford it today. That sort of price competition is the most important thing we can do to expand access to health care well, you know, and uh, to me, that's what I'm for. And yet, when you take a look at the commercials, especially Biden's commercials right now about well, seniors are going to lose their health care, and you got these people in these heart wrenching situations. <laughs> it's so you know trying to scare the heck out of people so they'll vote for Biden. Uh, you know, uh, it just makes me wonder why can't we just go to a more the uh, you know patient centric program that which will really drive down prices for seniors and everybody else. Uh, there are people who who think that the key to making healthcare accessible is government control. Yeah, they look around the country, around the world, mm-hmm. and they see that other countries have uh, governments that have issued an explicit guarantee of healthcare to everyone, and they think that that is the key to providing healthcare to everyone. Uh, one of the many problems with that argument is that most of the innovation in the world the medical innovation comes from the United States mm-hmm. and because uh, and we, the medical innovations that we develop here end up going all, all around the world. And so really those countries uh, with those more, you know, with those uh, broader government guarantees of access to care, they're not the ones that are making healthcare more universal in that way by pr- creating new cures that didn't exist before. It's the United States that's doing that. Right. Uh, and, and, and so it's, issuing that government guarantee is not the same thing as uh, making healthcare universal. A lot of those countries owe the United States uh, a, a, a debt of thanks for, uh, because it's the United States that's actually making healthcare more universal in those countries. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, so the uh, position from the socialists is we want to be more like them. And of course, uh, <laughs> that is not the right direction to go, in my opinion. Michael, so much more that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, hopefully, you'll come back next week. Again, Michael Cannon, the Director of Healthcare Studies at the Cato Institute. Gen- genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. Thank you so much, Michael. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, frequent guest on the show. Seton's got a column he's written. Hey, Congress, when something awful you did is sunsetting, let it. (laughs) And this will be an interesting conversation. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobhardenathotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to do a little shout out for St. Matthew's House. And one of the big contributors and supporters is Lulabee's Diner, one of my favorite places for breakfast or lunch. I hope you'll patronize Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Great breakfast or lunch. Uh, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Tell us about less government. Well, we exist through a size scope and sphere of influence of government, and it was going okay for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the stupid shutdowns. Unbelievable. So, Seton, um, you wrote a column, which I really appreciate. It's called, Hey, Congress, when something awful you did is sunsetting, let it. Maybe yeah. you can tell us about it. You and I have talked a lot about intellectual property and the fact that one, the Obama era, the Obama era was awful for intellectual property protection, and two, um, big tech, after purchasing all the Democrats, purchased a bunch of Republicans um, with campaign contributions, and one of the biggest results of that purchase was the 2011 America Invents Act. Uh, they're very bad at naming things. This thing undermines the inventors um, in, in multi-directions, in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, one of the worst things it did was create the Patent Trial and Advisory Board, the PTAB. And what the PTAB does is it turns the Patent and Trademark Office, which is supposed to be issuing patents, into an entity that kills patents. 
So how's that for undermining the entire patent uh, landscape? The patent office says, congratulations, you've received your patent. We've issued you your patent. And then they call you back a year later and go, sorry, we were just kidding. We were rescinding it. <laughs> we, reviewed, we reviewed our own work and decided that it's not, your patent's no good. Now, that usually happens and, with some sort of a challenge, doesn't it? Some, somebody says... Well, that's, that's what happened. See, this is the, whole, the whole America Invents Act was written to benefit huge corporations at the expense of small inventors and small companies that are inventors. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the alleged good or, or harm that was being solved, the good that was being done, was... When someone steals a patent, you sue them, and then you go into litigation, and it costs a lot of money. Well, the, the PTAB challenge, a PTAB challenge costs $200,000, give or take. Well, the number one filer of challenges is the biggest patent thief on the planet, Google. Hmm. Um, number two, I think, is Apple. And what they're doing is, is they see this small inventor that invents something they want, and then they file a $200,000 challenge. Then they slightly reword it and file another challenge. And then they slightly reword that and file another challenge. In other words, they, and, and they so, beat them to death financially with, with legal fees. With these stupid PTAB. Uh, yes. And so, so the, the, the inventor just goes under and the, can't defend his patent anymore. And then Google steals it and Apple steals it and, and uh, et cetera. Uh, well, one of the one of the aspects of um, the 2011 um, Act well, sunsetted yesterday, the 16th, uh-huh. and it was the uh, it was the uh, CBM. I, I always have trouble remembering some of these acronyms, but it's the business model patent, meaning you didn't invent a new widget, but especially now in the information age with computers. If you invent a new way to do business with existing stuff, you can patent that. Mm-hmm. And the CBM review at the PTAB was really nebulous, and really, and, and you could you could challenge on under any circumstance for on on any grounds. Yeah, and it was being abused like crazy. It was destroying thousands of legitimate patents. Um, that, that Google and Apple and, and these other big companies wanted. Well, it sunsetted yesterday, and there was a bill, there still is a bill, in the Senate to you know, extend. It's, and even said in the, in the law, this is a transitional uh, review, uh-huh. meaning it would go away. That's why it was sunsetted. Well, it, the transition period's over, it's ended, and all I'm saying in the piece is, you know, Congress don't just do something, stand there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the solution. The fact of the matter, again, we're back to putting a Band-Aid on something that, that uh, Congress broke in the first place. Right. So, right. Well, I mean, why, why not just follow the Constitution and uh, acknowledge and honor what people create so they can benefit from it and uh, other people... I, I, I would argue that... The, I would argue the entire PTAB is unconstitutional. Because right. What you're doing is you're having the executive branch, which the Patent and Trademark Office is. It's a, it's a part of the executive branch. They're pretending to be the judiciary with this board. Right. This is a, this is a, they're adjudicating rulings at the, at the Patent and Trademark Office. Well, that's a judicial function. By, by trying to bypass the lawsuits that follow when people steal patents, 
they're, they're violating the Constitution by turning the executive branch into the judicial branch. So Congress created this thing, so Congress can now can allow it to sunset. Can the president, for example, just issue an executive order, it's gone? No. Yeah. Congress passed a law. Now, yeah. the law is unconstitutional, so it should be overturned. A lot of it is. Yeah. Um, and, and this part is unconstitutional. You know, th th this is part of the PTAB. This is not the entirety of the PTAB. This is a review that the PTAB has purview over. Um, the, the entirety of the PTAB is unconstitutional, in my opinion. But, um, and there's other aspects of PTAB. You know, there's still going to be PTAB uh, challenges today, tomorrow, next week, but not business model reviews. Um, I see. Unless and until Congress extends the uh, warrant. Okay, well, thanks for clarifying that, Seton. But it seems to me, just back to the bigger problem here, we have big tech companies that are well-funded, have the capability of taking some guy that you know spends a lot of time inventing something that can be valuable to people, should have the opportunity to benefit from it, but uh, this has created a system that allows big tech to steal. I mean, they're, they're, they are predators in so many different ways. I've said this numerous times, Google is the evil empire, and no one steals more intellectual property uh, this side of communist China than Google does. And, and this bill was bought and paid for, this, this law was bought and paid for by Google contributions to Republicans and Democrats. Real quick, to his everlasting shame, Daryl Issa was, a con was one of the sponsors of this bill in the House, congressman. He was the richest man in Congress. Why and how? He invented the Dodge Viper alarm system. Huh. And what was the first thing he did when he invented it? He patented it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting. And then he made a trillion dollars. It was such a good idea that all the car companies insourced it, right? Yeah. Every car you buy now has a car alarm because of what he thought of. Yeah. And he patented it. And, and in a personal note, a friend of mine was a congressman from South Texas for 10 years, and a radio host down there that I used to do his radio show, he's retired, um, he told me, he, he came, Isa came for a fundraiser for my friend, and, and, and my radio host friend said, when you're, when you're, when you're doing a, uh, when you have an idea for a business, first thing he said was, "Oh, you got to patent it. You got to patent it." And then he writes the bill that undermines patents. It's it, unbelievable. Well, I would say this too. Here's another point that you've made that I wanted to score, which is the fact that you know we've got the best government that money can buy, and it's being bought by big tech. It's being bought by big pharmaceutical companies, and uh, this is just a big problem. Well, just just to put it in perspective, the entire prior to the pandemic shutdowns, our entire economy was twenty two trillion dollars. The federal government alone steals and spends five trillion dollars. Yeah, and so so they're controlling almost a quarter of the entire economy in D.C. Yeah. Um, our, this stat is old. I don't know if it's vacillated, but it couldn't have that much. There are, I think, eleven or twelve counties in the country with an average in, uh, income of a hundred grand or more, and, and ten of them are DC suburbs. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit the web website lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more. I always appreciate his insights of what's happening here locally. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. With all the threats to faith, family, and freedom, Christian Television Network, the Faith Center Fort Myers, and Florida Pastors Network invite you to Healing Our Nation Tuesday, September 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. for a free panel discussion on engaging and impacting culture with a biblical worldview. Distinguished national guest Bishop E.W. Jackson, founder of Stand Foundation, staying true to America's national destiny. John Stenberger, founder of Florida Family Policy Council and called to vote, Along with historian and best-selling author, Dr. William Federer want to equip you to effectively respond to the moral and social issues impacting our community. Join us live on television September 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. on CTN Southwest Florida or live streaming at ctntelevision.com or in person at the Faith Center. Details, ctntelevision.com. That's ctntelevision.com. Or call 239-543-7200. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Mayor Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, no matter where I am, I'm, I join you on Thursdays, if at all possible, right? I wish I'm so grateful for it. I understand uh, you are on the road in one of my favorite communities there near Bethesda, Maryland, in Washington, D.C. Yep, I, I am. Um, and uh, I had my, you know, when we go up north, um, much to uh, uh, Chris's dismay, I would say, she says, you don't need two cars up there, but... I like having my car up there, uh, you know, where we vacation, and um, so it was time for me to bring it home, so I figured, you know what, I'll make a road trip out of this, and I drove down uh, uh, to D.C. yesterday, and uh, I'm going to take the auto train today, and I'll be in Naples tomorrow morning. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that before? Oh, yeah. I used to... um, uh, when it was it was permissible and and it was inexpensive to fly pets, um, Chris would, would and this is when we had the place in uh, Lake Placid, New York, many years ago. Chris would fly up with the pets, and I would drive. Um, and so I used to do that all the time coming the other way. 
Uh, you, you know, you go to Sanford, Florida, get on the auto train, and you're off in Lorton, Virginia the next morning. Um, you get a, you know, a, a, a sleeper, and it's great. Yeah. I mean, you wonder where you are, and you go through these towns in the middle of the night, and you know, it's 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 definitely fun. Chris went on it once with me, and she couldn't stand it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she said the thing rattled, and every time she'd start to doze off, the they the train would make a turn, and the whistle blowing at night and whatever. She said, you can do that never again for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you have a good trip down here, and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to welcoming you back. Say, I understand you uh, you were looking at the uh, the, the uh, city council meeting yesterday. Well, no, I couldn't be driving and looking at it, but I was listening to it. Oh, listening to it. And so uh, so uh, uh, um, David Fralick from the city sent the link to me, and I just clicked on it, and so it came across my Bluetooth, so I was just driving and, listening to them yesterday um and uh oh my gosh bob they ran out of time they they literally ran out of time they couldn't get the agenda done and so they called another special meeting today uh. i'm i'm just like it, it just blows my mind i'll tell you they pick on the minutia that they that they do is just kind of mind blowing uh, you know a simple item turns into a uh turns into a, a, a lengthy debate discussion. Every little detail is picked on and gone over and discussed, and it's like, oh, my gosh, guys. Well, you, but you know what? I can just observe. You know what? You need uh, meetings. A, a moderator, somebody, should, and that would be probably the mayor, should actually <laughs> <That would be. laughs> uh, should define what we're trying to accomplish in each agenda item. We want to make a decision about this, a decision about that, or perhaps become informed about something. But well, you know that the, how you keep that on track is you simply point out the fact that those things are you know may be important, but we can put them on an agenda another time. The purpose of this discussion is to make a decision. Well, you in in most cases. Yeah, absolutely right. But, you know, you have um, uh, all elected officials up there, and she is supposed to chair the meeting and keep it moving. And if you get the biggest thing, Bob, is if you get off subject, let's say another member gets off the subject a little bit, you got to bring them back right away. Right. And, and I prided myself, and I'm not tapping, patting myself on the back, but I prided myself on being able to do that in a, in a very nice way and just say, hey, Bob, you know, we're we were wandering here. Let's get right back on this subject and finish it up and what have you. And nobody got upset about that because we all do it. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. Um, but she can't do that. She, she just absolutely literally, because what she does at the beginning, after the event is presented, she says she turns and she says, okay, counsel. And she does not come through with any ideas or any thoughts. And, she, you know, a lot of times I would just start out the conversation and say, well, here is where we are. We just need to do this and whatever. But anyway, you know, it's kind of like beating a dead horse. Yeah. Um, so, so I'll was do, anything, I'll do whatever, anything, <laughs> anything accomplished yesterday? Well, I after listening all those hours, I was trying to figure it out. I I couldn't honestly, <laughs> I couldn't honestly tell you a, a, a good answer for that. Hmm. You know, maybe, but I don't know. Did the topic? So, other than that. Um, uh, where's the storm today? I haven't turned the, the well, weather on there. Uh, you got a feel for these people up in Alabama and, and Pensacola, oh, yeah. but they, they got, uh, well, a couple feet of rain. Can you believe that? And, uh, you, you know, if you saw pictures, it's just the flooding was astounding. Right. Uh, there was one death and, and, uh, the storm is moving very slowly and dumping rain. Like you can't believe, I don't know if you're yeah, aware of this, Bill, we, 
we got uh, eight miles an hour. Yeah, and we we got eight and a half inches of rain down here, and we were, you know, not anywhere near the storm. So right, right, right. It's it's yeah, a it's I, a mess. Yeah, I, I I you know heard a couple of times yesterday, you know, two miles an hour. Oh my gosh, it's like that's not like even moving. You right. know what I mean? Absolutely. But they said it did lose strength, so that's a good thing. It did, and it's, I think it's kind of like the Harvey that uh, went over Houston, Texas. It's just dumping rain, so much rain, and it's on its way to Georgia, North Carolina. you got to feel for those people up there. But uh, all the damage that's done, it's going to do you know millions and millions of dollars worth of damage. By the way, are you aware that uh, the uh, this Antifa this, and, and the Black Lives Matter, their damage has amounted to about a two, $2 trillion, or two, I'm sorry, $2 billion? Wow. Isn't that amazing? No, but I but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it absolutely does not surprise me. You know, every week we we talk on the phone and uh, and there's a, a new incident. You know, um, uh, the the one where the two jet deputies were just this guy walks up and just shoots him was was horrible. It is horrible. Um, yeah, but you know, geez, Bob, <laughs> there's got to be brighter things going on, and I'm and, and there are there are still good people out there that are that are trying to. Uh, Make this place, make our world a better place to live in, and our country, and everything else. And uh, we have to be with them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. In fact, uh, we had uh, dinner last night with some friends of yours, uh, the uh, Marina Berkovich. And, oh yeah, neat people, and Alex, and Alex, and uh, so we, it was a wonderful time. But they did report that they actually uh, observed at a hotel. Uh, a group of people who had arrived and that are well dressed, uh, but they were, uh, you know, it was pretty evident to them that they that they were people that were coming down here to protest uh, during oh, gosh. the Black Lives Matter thing. So it's even right. happening here. Oh, no doubt. Um, you know, it's it's just um, you just wonder the difference between protesting and 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 protesting with violence you know when do you turn the corner or is that your intent from the beginning you know what i mean yeah i do and i think the uh, so, the people that are I, there are some people that want to protest and uh, want and they certainly have their first amendment rights to do that but these other people i think use that as a springboard for doing their own damage their looting and destruction and uh, i think uh, there's two separate groups, and quite frankly, in my opinion, if I were the mayor or if I were the police chief, I'd say, look, if if in fact that happens, if dis- destruction and looting starts to happen, you need to vacate and go someplace else because we're going to stop it. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I, I don't understand the the Seattle and the and the Portland and all that. Um, yeah. But someday maybe we'll get a good explanation of, of, you know, when you look back in the books and say, okay, well, this is why this didn't happen and whatever. You know what I mean? I do. Again, Mayor Bill on his way back on the, on, what do we call this, the train? Or the, uh, the auto train. Auto train, that's it. Uh, so yeah, it should, Amtrak. So I, I have a fan, I've never done it. I have a fantasy about it. I'd love to do it sometime, but I hope you have a well, great... Well, you better put it on your bucket list, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, have you, I hope you have a great trip home. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. Speak to you next week. Have a take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did, and I always appreciate your feedback. 
And uh, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Topics you'd like to hear, uh, things you didn't like, whatever it might be, always uh, value that. Uh, again, at bobharden at hotmail.com. And we can put you on the list uh, to subscribe to the newsletter, which I send out about each show uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, so you can, again, ask for that at bobharden at hotmail.com. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with William Yateman. Uh, William is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll be visiting visiting with Brandon Wright about all the money we invest in education and can we get more bang for our buck. Uh, And we'll visit with Sharon Ketty, the author of Where Should We Eat? And Dave Bigo is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>